Hello, I'm Adriana Jacobs, and welcome back to the fourth episode of Staying Alive, a podcast series on contemporary poetry in crisis. This episode features the work of the U.S. poet and novelist Laura Sims. Although zombies are still typically encountered on the big and small screens and in novels, this episode will continue to explore the fascination that zombies hold for poets, and particularly in today's poetry, which is showing signs of a serious zombie turn. Sims is the author of four books of poetry, the most recent of which, a collection titled Staying Alive, was published in 2016 by Ugly Duckling Press. She's also an unabashed fan of the popular zombie show The Walking Dead, which has inspired a series of poems titled Walking Dead Love Songs. Zombies typically can't do more than feed and groan and roam, so Sims' Walking Dead poems focus, as most zombie texts do, on the living and their survival. In her words, survival takes time. But while the living race against the clock to salvage what is left for them to rebuild their lives, zombies, on the other hand, have all the time in the world. In this episode, I travel to New Jersey to talk to Laura about our favorite zombie show, the role of art, if there is a role for art, in the post-apocalypse, and her best-selling debut novel, Looker, which was published in late 2018 by Scribner. So I wanted to start off talking about zombies. Wait, you see the zombies? Zombies? What's them? Dead folks. What walks around? Yes. We're both fans of the show The Walking Dead, although admittedly I haven't seen the most I recent season. either. Yeah, I yeah. jumped off a little bit. Um, yeah. After one sure particularly did. controversial episode, which we don't need to spoil for anyone, <sighs> <Okay>. but <laughs> I think you and I maybe both know what I'm referring to. I think to. we do. But I wanted to start just asking you what you find compelling about zombies in general. I really love the whole idea of zombies, like the concept of them in a big way as representing this world that we have soiled beyond repair and them as the manifestation of that. That's really interesting to me. It's also really interesting on a more personal level to think about someone that you cared about in some way dying and coming back from the dead. You know, you can see them, you can touch them, but suddenly they are a monster. There's something really interesting about that to me and horrifying, but also really, really compelling. And how does the show do that differently or more interestingly than other zombie narratives or shows you may have seen? I think that what makes that show so compelling is not that they do things so differently, although I do think the cinematography is really beautiful on that show. It's the cast of core characters, which is one of the problems I'm having with it now is that the cast of core characters has shrunk, but you have this group, this kind of like family group that they've patched together after the apocalypse. You become attached to them too, and you're with them and experiencing things with them. And at one point in viewing the show, were you like, ooh, I think I can write a poem about this. <laughs> I think when I write, especially poetry, it comes from emotion and mood. It's not like a thought or an idea, really. Everything from the opening credits and the music that they play just brings out this feeling. And I, I wanted to, I think I wanted to like interact with it in some way. And the way I interact is by writing. So I think I might have written that first one, which I think I'll read later. And then 
I think I wrote another one. And then I was like, oh, I think this might be a series. And this is fun. This is my way of making something that I find incredibly entertaining into kind of an art project, which also kind of validates, you know, what you're doing instead of, oh, I'm sitting on the couch watching this show for an hour. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm creating something from it. I'm collaborating. But so. that's not new to this show. It sounds like no. this runs through a lot of your work. It's I, true. I think at some yeah. point, one of your bios said something like you excel at watching a lot of really bad TV. <laughs> so you've always been someone who, am I remembering that correctly? Something like, like a processor, like I yeah. process. Yeah, definitely. You're definitely someone who enjoys a good thriller oh yes whether it's a novel yes. or a tv show yeah and somehow traces of that find their way into your very serious poetry it's true yeah but it, it, were you a little worried because now we'll talk about this, yeah. this series of poems that you've published walking that love songs yeah was there a part of you that was concerned that maybe people hearing or reading these poems wouldn't take them so seriously because they're clearly drawing from a pop cultural context. Sure, yes. It is like you said, it's something that I've done in a lot of my work. And I, at this point, I don't really care. <laughs> Someone wants to dismiss it because it's connected to The Walking Dead, whatever. It's something I might have worried about years ago when you're trying to establish yourself as a serious writer, but now I, I don't care. <laughs> well, on that note, would you mind reading sure. your most recently published Walking Dead love song? Sure. This is Walking Dead Love Song 32. I try not to think about getting gunned down in the holiday market. I try not to think about subway grenades or suicide bombs or slender guns tucked in a duffel bag. Happier times, I think, happier times. When you all shared a meal of canned corn and beans over rice in the church that night. Smiles, white teeth, the glow of cheap wine in your cheeks. It all went to shit by the end of the show, per usual. Still, you are not the fucked world. You are something apart. Something once fuzzy now packed into cans. I find you so toothsome, the man in the room has to pull me hard by the jaw to unfasten my eyes. Thank you. So if you're someone who's watched this show as I have, it's possible to discern where you're drawing from, certain plot lines yeah. and certain imagery, but the poem doesn't necessarily rely on one having this context or this prior knowledge. You can come to the poem without it. Is that possibility something that you've taken into consideration when writing these poems? A little bit, yes. Not when I'm writing it maybe, but when I'm going back and revising so that anybody reading it could still enter into the poem, hopefully without having knowledge of this show. So if there's too much specificity, I try to revise that, but not when I'm writing. And some of them really do rely on characters' names, but I still feel like somebody who hasn't seen the show could still enter into the poem and appreciate it. And what makes this a love song? Well, <laughs> 
All of them are love songs for the show. And I particularly love one of the characters. For me, it's about trying to connect, right? And in this case, trying to connect with these people who don't really exist because they're fictional characters. But at the same time, I have this strong attachment to them. And I think a lot of people do that now, you know, watching TV or movies, like we get attached to these people so powerfully. And I felt that, so the poems are kind of exploring that. They are love songs for what I see as a very deeply flawed show, but it still moves me for whatever reason in the way that great art does. And so I'm trying to kind of capture the feelings that the show gives me and, you know, the love I feel for it. But the poems, I think, also draw on something that I also find really fascinating and moving about the show, which is the way it also deals with these, at times, encounters between survivors and their now zombified loved ones oh, yeah. and how they struggle with the feelings of lingering feelings of intimacy and familiarity, mm -hmm. but at the same time, the knowledge that this is no longer mm -hmm. that person. Right. And I actually was going to ask if you could read one of your, one of the songs that I think captures the tension. Really yeah, well. sure. And this was the first one that I wrote. So started the whole series. Walking Dead Love Song. When the train comes at last, bearing humans, the woman still eating her husband's face, looks up, flesh burning, the dry white sheet of the past. I can almost see the new season from here. I love this image of the wife still eating her husband's face. It's so brutal and loving. <laughs> Which is marriage. No. <laughs> it, it is a marriage poem. Yeah, marriage it totally is. In a zombie world. I know, yeah. But also this phrase, the new season. Obviously, yeah. it's the idea of the, the show, mm -hmm. as the seasons of the show. Literal season. But obviously here, there's also the connection to renewal. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the things that I find so interesting about a lot of your work is that you're always exploring this blurred line between life and death and, mm -hmm. and these sort of spaces at the extremes of life. Mm -hmm. But there's always a sense of at least the possibility of some kind of future, mm -hmm. or at least one senses that a future is being imagined in that mm -hmm. space. Yeah, I definitely like to revel in darkness. <laughs> But I am reveling in it, like there is joy in it. And I do like to explore those kind of dark areas or ambiguous areas of human existence. And the zombie scene is a perfect place for that because everything is very confusing. Someone's alive, but they're dead. And so for me, there is hope there. Like the zombie narrative is also a narrative of renewal. The world as we know it is ending, but there is this new kind of world that's maybe a world where humans can't exist as we are, but there is a new kind of creation coming. And maybe it comes from these zombies that doesn't fit with our standards of human life, but is something, a new form of life. I don't know, I've always loved to explore those dark areas, but I do feel this sense of hope. Even when I was writing Staying Alive, I read a lot of 
environmental catastrophe books and a wonderful book about Chernobyl. But in all of those narratives about apocalypse and post-apocalypse, there is space for renewal. Like The World Without Us is one of the books that I read. And in it, you have this sense, you know, things are very bad in the way that humans have destroyed the earth, but the earth does go on. And there is something really beautiful and uplifting about that. So I kind of want to channel that, or I tend to channel that into my work. Zombies and are not typically material for poetry. <laughs> I think now that I'm working on this project, I yeah. see zombies everywhere yeah. and in a lot of poems. But even poems that sometimes will have the title zombie yeah. aren't really about zombies. Mm -hmm. But there does feel to be that there is this sort of turn to that material, which mm -hmm. leads me to the question of sort of how poetry or what can poetry contribute mm -hmm. to um, our ongoing fascination with the undead, but particularly mm -hmm. to the relation between the undead and crisis and crisis yeah because i think at the end of the day this is what's going on here you mentioned yeah. environmental disaster yes somehow they connect to both our own personal anxieties and fears but also yeah. to these larger global you could call it crises yeah i think that they can be a complete manifestation of what is happening on the earth you know in the walking dead they start with, we don't know where they start, but something is off in nature, right? In all of the zombie narratives, something is off and probably humans caused it. Like it could be genetically modified, something that got out of hand, disease run rampant, but basically they can be this manifestation of what we have done to the earth and they walk around destroying it further, but there's a sense that, for me in The Walking Dead and the other zombie narratives, there's a sense of almost gratification of like, we're getting what we deserve. I know that some of the characters on the show sometimes are like, well, maybe this is what's supposed to happen. We're supposed to get, all get eaten, and then the earth will heal, and then something new will come. Right, And there's a feeling of satisfaction that I get from that thought. Even, even aside from zombies, in the real world, thinking about the horrible consequences of climate change, which I find terribly depressing and awful. At the same time, there is a little piece of me that's like, yep, we deserve it. And we're getting our just desserts. <laughs> And then as a poet, what do you think you can do in a poem yeah. and in your poem that is distinct from or different from what you see in shows, TV shows, yeah. movies and novels? I think you can just process things in a different way in a poem. You can put things together that are not put together in the show. You know, The Walking Dead is pretty straight forward, what you see on the screen is what you get. But in a poem, you can take the emotions maybe that you add to the show while you're watching it and kind of weave those in with the narrative and create something that is not just an image that you're receiving, but an image that you're working with to create something new. That's what's exciting to me about writing poetry about TV in the same way that I, I love writing poems that interact with 
what you would traditionally call art. But to me, these are ekphrastic poems. They're like responding to art. This is our TV is the dominant art form of the day. And it's really fun to be able to, since I enjoy watching it, to process it, turn it into, you know, poems that do something different and new with the material. One of the things while we're still talking about the show in yeah. some way that I have been looking for from the very first episode is some answer to the question of what, where are the artists? Where is art <laughs> yeah. in the midst of this catastrophe? Yeah. And the reality is that there isn't a whole lot of it until a couple seasons ago, I think one of the characters finds a stash of rotting comic books oh. and is reading them. And then in another mm -hmm. character turns out to have been an artist and makes these sort of interesting sculptures out of, out of trash. And it took that long to sort of see glimpses of, of artistic expression yeah. happening, which isn't to say that people aren't making things. They're making things all the time. They mm -hmm. have to completely remake and civilization. relearn yeah. civilization. But art simply isn't quite there. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit about where you imagine art in the post-apocalyptic future, seeing as how you are writing about it I know. in an art form? Well, I'm writing about it because I'm living in our, you know, Western civilization and I've got time to do it and I'm not trying to scrounge for food. And I think it's tough to think about there being space for art in a post-apocalyptic scenario because like you said you are simply surviving you're trying and all of your energy and time is focused on you know eating finding ways to eat and and just live and stay healthy i imagine though that if you were an artist in your former pre-apocalyptic life that you would find space to do it somehow if you could find a working pen or pencil, you could be scribbling poems on scraps of paper. But it really is like this return to an elemental world. And that's super appealing to me looking at it from afar as a writer in this world. It feels very clean and like, oh, return to basics. It would, of course, be horrible and hard in real life. but. It's interesting to think about that kind of like a reduced to basics world, especially in our world filled with devices and sound and noise. Yeah, I think like the trash woman, who knows, maybe she wasn't an artist before. Maybe she was inspired by her, her garbage world that she lives in to start making art. And but I do think there would need to be some kind of leisure that someone would have. And she's like the leader of that world. So she would have some maybe some leisure in order to create art, because otherwise the space for it is very limited. In your last book of poetry, mm -hmm. the last published book, yeah. Staying Alive, um, you address sort of the end of civilization and give glimpses of its aftermath. And a lot of this book, as you mentioned in the afterword, is inspired in part by Cormac McCarthy's mm -hmm. The Road. I wanted to just, though, there's one poem in there that I found incredibly moving. Again, because it touches on this sort of the, the 
the, as you put it, the reveling in yeah. some way, with the extremity. You write, the city teems above, it is in heaven, it's the ruin where you shine. And again, you have this, the ruin and the shining yeah. happening in the ruin. Yeah. Um, so I think that, again, this idea that there is a future, the future is not completely lost to no. us yet. No. And in some ways, the poem is part of this really critical work mm -hmm. of continuing to hold on to mm -hmm. a future where mm -hmm. things shine amid mm -hmm. the ruins. Mm -hmm. So what I guess I wanted to ask is, in this future, would it be important to include poetry or art in this vision of the future? Hmm. To me, it would be. I don't know that for most of humanity, I don't know. It seems like for those of us who appreciate art and poetry, it would be crucial. And maybe it would become even more crucial for people after the end of society. Maybe we would cling to like the scraps of, of what had been written or made before and really cherish those things and be inspired to make new things and appreciate what was made maybe even better with all of the kind of trappings of civilization that fallen away. So I guess in a way it, it could be important. It can, you know, art can lift us out of ourselves and that might be really important if you're living in the hell of post-apocalypse. That particular poem comes from I one of the books I read was Rebecca Solnit's A Paradise Built in Hell. And she looks at disasters that have happened like the San Francisco earthquake in the 1900s. And instead of looking at the horrors of the destruction, she looks at the communities that spring up after a disaster and how really it's not chaos and looting and all of the stuff that the news sometimes plays up after disasters. Maybe that stuff happens in pockets, but what really happens is that humans band together in beautiful ways and they make new things out of the rubble and they come together and help each other. So that's that, that beauty of like this ability to shine. It's actually in the ruin of the thing that we find this deep kind of beauty and in a way that is art that is the art and the beauty of humanity and so you don't necessarily need to be writing something down or painting something but that kind of artistic energy can come out in different ways maybe in a in a different kind of world so I wanted to ask, because you mentioned how shows like The Walking Dead are part of this sort of moment that we're living in where, frankly, TV shows are just so satisfying to watch. Um, so much good writing. And your most recent book is not a book of poetry. It's, mm -hmm. it's a novel. Can you talk a little bit about that shift? Are you a writer of both? Or do you feel like this is part of some transformation? 
right now, it feels like it's part of a transformation that I'm putting the creative energy that I've always put into my poems into fiction. And I'm learning more and more how to kind of channel that, like what I'd call poetic, you know, energy into prose. But that's where I am right now. I don't right now feel the urge to write poetry. I feel the urge to write fiction. And maybe that will change at some point. And I'll, I would love to keep writing these Walking Dead love songs. I don't have enough of them. So that would be kind of cool to feel that again. I guess I need to watch the new season. But it was a pretty natural shift too. It was gradual. After my son was born, I was at home with him and I just would have like 20 minutes, you know, during his nap time. So he never slept for more than 20 minutes or 30 minutes. And I can't write poetry on demand like that. Like, and not that I can write fiction on demand, but fiction at least was something I could tinker with a little bit more. And maybe I could write a really bad paragraph and in a one 20 minute nap, and then I could go back to it and and work on it. There was kind of more words on the page. So yeah, writing fiction started, I had always, I had always wanted to start writing fiction, but it was one of those things I said, oh, I'll, you know, I, I want to do it someday. I want to do it someday. And then that day became, I don't know, then that period after Caleb was born and I started working on fiction and I was still doing both and um, was probably equally excited by both. Um, but it was like a new challenge for me and a new way I feel like at that time in my life, for some reason, I needed a new writing challenge, like a new way of of shaping and expressing my thoughts and ideas. And, and that was fiction for me. So over several years, I worked on fiction and then wrote this novel, so. And as a last question, yeah. since the future of the walking dead love songs is so linked to the show yeah where would you like to see the show headed oh my gosh honestly i would like it to stop and I, <laughs> because i think that it has run its course and there has been a lot of great work done but i i think it needs to end I guess, and maybe it could end on kind of a positive note, like with Alexandria, the community that they've built flourishing, and we don't need another like set of villains to come along and mess things up. Maybe people can just get along and have normal-ish lives, and that's that. That's, I mean, it's not really exciting TV, but I think as an ending, it's not a bad place for them to just wrap things up. Thank you so much, Laura. Thank for you. Being a part of this conversation. Thank you. The Walking Dead love songs read in this episode first appeared in The New Republic and Conjunctions. Also featured is an untitled poem from the collection Staying Alive, published in 2016 by Ugly Duckling Press. Next time, we'll be talking to U.S. poet Diana Coy Wynn about ghosts and family pictures. Staying Alive is an original podcast series created and presented by me, Adriana Jacobs, with editing by Daniel Bieber. 
and Danny Cox, and music by Apache Tomcat and the Zombie Dandies. Support for this podcast comes from the John Fell Fund. For more information about this episode, including materials that didn't make it into the final cut, visit the podcast website, stayingalive.show.